What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 104 of the Radio Freest Van podcast. Now, we got a special treat for you this episode. This is going to be a special edition episode. Uh, in this episode, we have a number of artists that we brought together, uh, commission painters and the such. I think actually all of them in this episode are going to be commission painters. Uh, we This is actually going to be part one of... The painting episode. So these guys are going to give you some tips and tricks on painting, especially if a lot of you new painters out there. Uh, I learned a lot this episode just by talking with some of these awesome painters. Uh, We've got Dave from Perpetual Painting. So if you want to go check him out, we've got James Wapple, uh, the armband man himself, another very powerful commission painter. And then we have Miles from Little Legend Studios. We got all of them lined up. And like I said, this is part one of the painting episode. We actually have a part two that will be hopefully dropping episode 106. So sit back and take your notepads and get ready because this episode is going to have some pretty wild uh, tips and tricks that a lot of you probably didn't know about. I know I learned a lot. So here you go, boys. This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. All right, guys. Now we have our first special guest, powerful... Miles from Little Legend Studio. How's it going, Miles? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, we've kind of been chatting about getting me on uh, a couple of times, and it hasn't quite synced up. So I'm really, really happy to be here for this, especially the uh, introducing new people into painting or looking to up their games. Really nice, nice way to uh, come to the show. I think. Yeah, you're kind of like the painter that everybody like looks at your images and you're like, Oh man, okay. I should just give up. Like, so it's like kind of nice to have you on to encourage people not to give up and to like help them move forward. Yeah. It, cause... Yeah. There, there's a little secret for every time somebody snaps, their brushes or gives up painting because they've seen other, other people's work, a commission painter gets wings. Okay. So you must have like, you must be like that crazy, uh, Indian, god that has like five million wings like oh yeah like a, a, a proper like archangel like six wings going on yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Perfect. but that is one of the most discouraging things to hear when people look at your work because I, it my intention is not to make people it's not their brushes or anything it's to inspire other people and you know, all the best ideas are stolen so if you see something that works on my work or somebody else just steal it wholesale just rip it off <laughs> and then send it to me so you know i can know yeah they I can credit know me. <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't tell you how many times i've seen that uh that leviathan with the uh with the the faces on it you know like the almost like uh, yeah. romanesque or i guess uh um vatican style uh mm-hmm. leviathan i cannot tell you how many times like because we have like a number of patreon supporters that like come in and like guys have you seen this it's like of course we've seen it and then every single time they post it they're like i guess i should just quit painting because like this wins you know <laughs> and so every time oh, dude, you're gonna love what's up. coming up next so i went to rome very recently and i've got lots of ideas for a warlord titan and a thunderhawk coming up along very similar veins because you know when you stood looking at the sistine chapel the artist Mike, I think, yeah, I, I could rip that off. I could do, I could paint yeah. that on the on the wall of Titans. 
<laughs> paint a bunch of dicks, no problem, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, that was that was the thing. Yeah, apparently, um, one of the people working at the Vatican actually criticized Michelangelo for drawing too many dicks over yep. everything. So yeah, he he painted that guy going to hell with donkey's years. Yeah, our tour guide said, "Don't fuck with an artist," because the years afterwards, centuries afterwards, we're still looking at that. We're still looking at that image and making fun of that guy. Yep, a hundred percent, man. You don't like that's gonna be up there a long time. So uh, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't make fun of him. Okay, so anyway, we got questions for you. We sent the same questions yes. to you as we sent to every other uh, every other guest on the show. So mm-hmm. let's break them down. Let's go through them. That way, you know, these new painters out there, these existing painters that are just wanting to up their skills, they can uh, they can learn. So first things first, how many years have you been painting? Um, so professionally for around six years. But um, I think one of my earliest memories is just actually holding the brush in hand. I think like many of us, we've always been creative in some way, whether that's slopping paint onto the wall, mashing up Play-Doh, uh, yep. or doing all sorts. Yeah, from as far back as I can remember, really being interested in art and color and just creating shit out of nothing. But uh, professionally, I've been doing this for six years. And do you have a do you have an actual background in in painting and art and all that, or is it just kind of a? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I went to a um, guidance counselor, and I really wanted to get into um, design work for uh, video game characters. You know, Final Heck Fantasy. Yes. I love Final Fantasy as a kid. Yeah, so I wanted to. I just I, I couldn't imagine a better way to spend my life than just drawing fantasy s characters like that. Yeah. Uh, but he advised me that there's not much of a career opportunity in there and that there wouldn't be much in the way of payment. So Get he advised me to be out of here. What? Yeah, he Who is that advised guy? me to become a clerk. <laughs> yeah, a legal clerk. And I was about like 11 or 12 at the time. It's like telling the kid, yeah, don't follow your dreams. That's bullshit. <laughs> become, become a, a custodian worker or something. Uh, yeah, so I. I kind of always had that in the back of my head when I pursued a career in uh, higher education. I did English Lit. Again, an equally... Uh, <laughs> so I, unless you want to become a teacher, English Lit isn't much good for anything unless you want to go into <laughs> academia. Uh, I decided to you know, double down on, on that and did a master's. And all the while, like I, I always did draw. Now, I always kept painting in the back. In the back. Uh, but no, no kind of professional training. Um, most of what, well, all of what I've learned has been through tutorials, through tutorials I've read online. And if you want to learn, there's no better time to get into uh, this universe now, uh, learning to paint with the amount of the plethora of classes and everything that's out there at the moment. It's so crazy. All the information at the fingertips right now, it's bonkers. It's, it's yeah. like a <laughs> it's renaissance miniature painting. That's the problem we're finding at the moment. Knowing who to trust, what advice to take. It, it's simply overwhelming, the amount of information out there. 100%. Like, definitely, definitely. You know, I, I was talking the other day how, like, uh, I went online and was, like, finding... I found a tutorial on how to transfer my paint pot to dropper bottles. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. I'm just going to get a whole bunch of like medium and just like dump it in there and uh, it'll help it flow easier out of there. And then like I go to Caleb Wissenbach's class. He's like, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Like, and it's like, oh, well, it's like he seemed legit because he has a YouTube video and it's like, oh, I'm uh-huh. just messing stuff up. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Fi- like we're so oversaturated right now with like YouTube videos. It uh-huh. is difficult to find who's legit and who's not legit and you know, what kind of, 
I guess at the end, you just gotta yeah, fast forward to the end of the video. I, <laughs> yeah, I think and, this is where these episodes come into their own because if you're looking into what to do for the first time, well, you could give advice on uh, not so much like trusted mediums, but people in our hobby who know what works and what doesn't because we've made these mistakes thousands of times before. Absolutely, hundred percent. So six years, six years is the answer we're going for. Six years, yeah. That was a long-winded way of saying six years. Sorry. You're perfect. No, you're perfect. So next question was, do you prefer brush or airbrush for heresy miniatures and why? And this is specifically heresy Uh, miniatures. I don't know if you paint anything else. but I I think you're going to get a lot of contrarian answers with this. Like, okay, do you prefer the yin or the yang? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to ask the question like that. they're both tools that do very different jobs but if i had to pick one if if i couldn't have one or the other i would have to go with the brush and the brush alone however saying that the thought of painting the amount of tanks that exist in the heresy if you're a treadhead definitely the airbrush uh so i don't know if that's much of an answer at all i know a lot of my students got into uh patreon into the teaching site uh having me teach them uh, because of the my skill with the airbrush, uh, they see how I airbrush. They want to learn how to do it. Uh, and edge highlighting, I think edge highlighting is a very misunderstood thing within the heresy community, um, because we've all grown up with the GW color block uh, wash method. It's fantastic for producing large arrays of miniatures very quickly. But how sick do you get of edge highlighting that fiftieth marine? And the thought of doing it one more time, well, it's it, it's enough to drive you to murder uh so actually having that freedom to think oh oh wait a sec i could just airbrush this and give it an oil wash and that's it fantastic yeah i'm in for that and unfortunately some well some of my students um they've either uh picked up injuries or they they just have certain disabilities that don't allow them to get the uh, to use a, 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 a brush as comfortably as they'd like so having the ability to airbrush something i think Oh, God. And I think a lot of the uh, introductory uh, in- introduction you get to the highest uh, skill levels when it comes to painting come through the heresy courses. Uh, when you want to learn zenithal highlighting, how to use oils, weathering powders, this isn't stuff that mainstream uh, Games Workshop does. So, do I prefer brush or an airbrush for heresy miniatures? Okay, uh, gun to head, let's say airbrush. <laughs> we've made the change i knew it was a controversial question and i knew that it's like would definitely drive every single uh every single painter crazy like i was like how do you yeah, yeah. this? like i gotta use both like are oh, you fucker <laughs> don't make me choose don't make me choose do too I, much children <laughs> do i like the back <laughs> tires of my car or the front tires of my car like what are you talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah. <laughs> so very cool very cool so what are some tricks you learned with your preferred application medium? Like, what are your favorite tricks that you've learned? I guess. So, uh, the one that really stands out the most is uh, pin wash uh, with with oils. Um, when it comes to airbrushing, you get very nice uh, transitional tones. So you get really nice tones from shadow to light, but it does leave the miniature uh, very one tone. You you don't really see the definition of the miniature by adding an oil wash into the recesses. Very easy to do. Uh, I mean, we've been talking privately. Uh, yes. Oil paints are just fuck up proof. Don't don't feel intimidated <laughs> by them. They won't strip the paint. They won't mess anything up. Just dive straight in there and, and uh, just experiment with it. Yeah, the pin wash 
Really, really good. So um, normally you apply a gloss layer on top of a miniature. Uh, strictly, you don't need to do that, but I don't overcomplicate things. So um, gloss varnish on top of a miniature. You mix up oil paint uh, with some uh, thinner that you could buy. Uh, I recommend odorless or low odor thinner because you don't want to stink your house out and you don't want to get any gnarly headaches. And you make it in the cons- to the consistency of uh, ink. Around that consistency, you know, drawing ink that you get. I'm sure you've been in school and you've just said, oh, I know, I'm bored. I'm just going to snap this pen open and, and fuck ink all over my uh, workspace. That's the kind of consistency you want your paint to be. As you and it, it, Oh, God, it's so I still get thrilled now when I do it. It's so beautiful when you just touch that, that, that your um, brush against the surface and you see it run into the gap into the yeah. shadows oh, yeah. and it just defines everything so beautifully yeah the pin wash definitely so definitely the pin wash so is there like a, a tutorial or anything like do you have a tutorial about pin washing or anything like that i know i've seen it on your patreon like clothes. yes so um, yeah it is something i need to uh sort out but um so i don't have any sections dedicated towards these essentials so how to pin wash how to do this Rather, they taught in practice. So whenever I paint a Primark, say, I'll show you how to pin wash in that, in the practical application of it. There is in the coming months. Uh, so we come up to a year on the Patreon. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit of time, but we come up to Bye. one year in the Patreon. So that we will have some uh, birthday bashes and the celebrations next month. And I will be launching a new uh, line of courses called the Essential Courses. So this is very much a strip back, very focused uh lessons and pdfs and uh 4k videos on these particular subjects so for example the pin wash and the video will just examine the pin wash and nothing else it's fantastic man can't wait i can't wait to see that kind of stuff so pin washing (laughs) so so if you don't know about pin washing pin washing is definitely the way to go like ryan and you and henry and like i've had so many people come up to me looking at my imperial fist and like hey bud do you know about pin washing? And I'm like, yes, yeah, I know about it, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all paints are far easier to use than acrylics. Just dive in there. I'm, I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah. So next question. The next. How much time do you spend per model? Uh, depends on the model. So if I'm trying to get through 20 infantry marines, I won't spend as much time on them. So something I tell my students again and again is, uh, do the actions or perform those those uh, painting techniques that will allow you to get miniatures or either on the table or to the display board, uh, d- display case. So you can dedicate a lot more time, say, towards Valdo than you need to towards um, a, a group of five custodians, purely because uh, there are different levels. So um, with uh, something like Valdo, say, it'll take me around 16 hours to paint um, a single miniature. Uh, whereas with a unit, I could easily get a unit of five custodians done within that same time frame because I'm not applying as many techniques or as many layers towards um, the, the overall finish of a basic infantry marine rather than a special character. So I think divide your time up uh, into slots uh, and actually sit there and time yourself paint. That, that yeah. That's a weird trick, but it does really help focus your mind on exactly how much time you're spending on on your miniatures and how much time you can dedicate per week to creative and effective force. So um, it all depends on the project. If I'm doing character uh, models, it could be 16 hours upwards. So the Leviathan you mentioned that uh, I, 
I did that one, had a couple of weeks off over Christmas uh, a couple of years ago, and that took me around 50 hours to complete. Good. Roughly, yeah, about, about 50 hours. Yeah, yeah, so it all a, depends are, on the problem. Are you a hairdryer guy? Do you use the hairdryer? Is that you? Oh, yeah. That's uh, Yeah, you got to make sure that acrylic is completely dry before building up on the bases. Yeah, I always uh so so I was not a hairdryer guy until here recently. Like Ryan brought that to my life. And uh yeah. I noticed like like for one, the wait time of course is just like killed. Like, okay, this is dry now, oh. move on. But uh mm-hmm. since I've been painting a lot more, like all of these uh like you, you you kind of like get lost and you're like, Oh crap, I was here three hours working on this guy. And so when I always mm-hmm. hear like crazy numbers like, Oh, I spent sixteen hours on Valdor and everything like that. It's like, that's what, maybe five or six painting sessions for you, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I have to say th- this is like my full time job. So how long yeah. do you work per per day? Uh, like eight, six, seven, eight hours. So that's eight hours, yeah. even though it's 16 hours, it's two days of work for me. Yeah, it's so wild. Like that's, you know, it's, I think people always kind of think about it. It's like, oh my God, it's like a month's worth of work, you know, cause I'm only uh, putting yeah. 30 minutes or an hour. It's like, no, if you really time yourself, like you said, you realize mm-hmm. that a lot of this time, like you're eating up a lot more than you actually think you are. So, yeah. So. And most of the time I've seen people dedicate is you sat there at your desk wondering, Hmm, I wonder what kind of red I should use on this. You spend a lot of time just kind of, I mean, an hour into deliberating, deciding, do that stuff on the way to the painting desk. Instead of working in your regular day job, think about painting miniatures instead. It's a lot more productive <laughs> in your hobby time. Yeah, just you know, leverage that time you have at work, that downtime you have at work, or, or uptime. Yeah, just leverage that time exactly. for your exactly. for the real thing that matters, your hobby painting. <laughs> okay. Sorry, if you can in the background, uh, the neighbor's digging up his uh, back garden. Oh, that's fine. That's He's probably thinking about miniature painting as well uh, yeah. so this is another controversial one what are your preferred paints so uh at the moment it's kind of like asking what your favorite film is what your favorite food is uh what your favorite um uh have i said movie what your favorite movie is at the moment yeah. it, it, it kind of goes through fads it goes through st- um so at the moment i'm really loving scale 75 really really love scale 75 purely because they're kind of new on the market, a lot of uh, people are using them, trying off different combinations. They are a really nice color set, uh, but they're, I, I don't use one particular uh, paint. I use several. Games Workshop paints, uh, I know. <laughs> so weirdly enough, they have a, a quite a bad rap. Uh, they have a bad reputation. Uh, I know they split a lot, but things like the Cadian Flesh Tone, I really love the washes. I really, really love the washes. Um, other paints I love using, Vallejo. Uh, excellent range they've been in production for like 20 30 40 years so they have a rich heritage um a wide range of colors easily accessible easy to buy through most uh model stores uh scale 75 are the new boys on the market uh, really rich saturated colors um if you live in america or uh or north america or in the americas you have access to reaper master series paints you lucky bastards i love those paints it's just a bitch getting them over here because of the um uh, postage and packaging so that that's the reason why i avoid those not because there's anything to do with the paint but because it costs so much in import tax um uh and formula p3 love formula p3 the black and white i use on uh, regularly so um i think between formula p3 vallejo and 
Reaper Master Series, you should uh, be set. Just buy colours you like the look of. Don't worry too much about what will suit what kind of painting style you may have read online. They're all excellent. Very cool, man. I didn't know that Reaper Master Series was such a big deal. I, I They're Texas-based. I just found out they were Texas-based like earlier this year, like in March. I was oh, in like... <laughs> I was in like the Reaper section at Adepticon. I was like, why is there a little Texas on this bottle? <laughs> They're like, oh, we're Texas based. Like, oh my God. <laughs> so back in the day, they used to uh, have, well, they still have little um, agitators inside the bottles, but they used to be tiny skulls. So oh, whenever really? you finished a bottle of paint, you could wash it off and have a skull for your collection. Yeah, they stopped doing that a while ago, but. Oh, <sighs> man. I just imagine somebody out there with like a, a necklace with those skulls. <laughs> he must be a badass painter. Yeah, Vietnam style. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, another one on here. What's a time in your painting career where you just fucked up and how'd you do it? So, um, a, a lot of these, a lot of the things aren't very interesting. I, I've been talking to my wife about this. Like, fuck, what do I say here without ruining my career or ruining my business? Um, but a lot of the stories are quite boring. Like, uh, I have, when I first started commission painting, um, I painted up uh, five death wing marines for somebody uh, in the cl- really classic 80s bone white. Uh, so very, very white. But he was more used, he was just new to the hobby, and he was used to uh, kind of like a more ivory, more yellowish tone to the armor. So um, I, I fucked up there, but it's kind of like little stories like that, not quite get the hues right, or not quite quite getting the, the right colors for Ultramarines or what the client wanted. So I thought, you know, piss on that. I'll tell you a story um, that when I did fuck up, when I first started working, so I was a waiter in a really nice Italian restaurant where I, where I lived, um, and I'd never seen an espresso before. A bunch of guys came in who were personal friends to the... <laughs> You know where this is going. Personal friends to the um, uh, to the chef, the guy who owned the place. So, okay, get espressos for everybody, please. So, stood there, put the cup under, press the button. Only a tiny amount of coffee comes out. Go, oh shit, this isn't right. Is is the machine bust? So I keep pressing the thing. Boom, 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 boom. I fill up an, a regular sized coffee cup with espresso. I shout over, hey, what's taking so long? The machine. It's only shooting out little amounts at a time. <laughs> It's spurting. Yeah. yeah so so did, that, you that, go, that's... did you give him a cup of espresso? Like a full cup? No, they all doing? started laughing at me. I started I'm sure, very, saying very mean things about me in Italian. <laughs> I didn't last long in that job. <laughs> and then you became a professional painter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wait, being a waiter wasn't for me. I wasn't, I wasn't gifted enough for it. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate that, man. Definitely something to learn. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's people out there going, oh, okay. Like, espresso comes in little baby cups. Not like mm-hmm. you only get a little bit of espresso. You don't get the full coffee yeah. cup worth of espresso because it's super high caffeine people. So that's what you learned from Miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't drink a pint of espresso. <laughs> <laughs> so... Very cool, man. Uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. Before we let you go, I just want you to go ahead and shout out any classes or any things like that you have uh, because, you know, there's a reason we have you on here. You're a teacher, man. You are a teacher. Yes. So Thank let, you our, so let much. our people so, uh, know. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so uh, I run a commission uh, painting business called Little Legend Studio. Uh, I, I post everywhere. Uh, you've probably seen something of my work with the little with the two L's in the corner. Um, I'm Welsh, so I put too many L's and everything. Uh, so if you did, if you are looking for a commission, uh, please hit me up on littlelegendstudio at gmail dot com. Uh, just send me an email. Don't worry about the specifics, and we could get the ball rolling on it. Um, alternatively, if you want to paint your own shit, uh, I do run a Patreon site, which is very much geared towards you. It's not about me showing my skills off. It's about taking you through the processes needed to paint armies and paint miniatures to a very high standard uh so uh the past couple of months we've concentrated on the primark series got lehman rust last month the full 4k hd uh tutorial series is up where we break it down into like the face the armor the metallics how to get the best from your metallics uh supporting these videos are pdfs and then uh so uh there's a growing library of pdfs we've come up to a, a full year now so we'll have 12 up where we talk about different ways uh so how to get the best from true metallics say or how to get the best from female skin tones things that may indirectly benefit you as a heresy uh painter because it's all interconnected you know if you know how to paint goliath skin you know how to paint word bearer skin or you know how to paint world eater skin it's probably a better example um so it's all interconnected it all overlaps if you did want to have a bit more specific feedback on your work so there are so so many classes out there but i realize we can't be everywhere at once um i mean my biggest advice would be to new painters if you see a class go to it attend try and attend as many different classes as you possibly can but unfortunately we all simply don't have that opportunity either due to uh time constraints money constraints whatever so uh for 40 dollars or more you can have one-to-one -one skype sessions with me and i deliver all the lessons i would in person uh through a regular class say on the weekend uh but i'll go through it with you um online so I have a, a, I have a good setup. You should see the size of these lights I have. So you'll be able to see everything I'm doing with pristine, uh, uh, pr pristine precision. Yeah, let's go with that, the alliteration. You'll be able to see everything I'm doing. I demonstrate techniques. And more than anything else, I develop you as a painter. So you're not painting like anybody else. You're painting like you. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. And those Patreon videos are just a wealth of knowledge. I can't tell you how many times our... Uh, our Patreon subscribers that we have have come up and they're like, yeah. you know, like, Hey, um, let me go ahead and help you with this. It's like, Oh, you're looking for this painting technique. Are you a little legends, uh, Patreon subscriber? And you're like, yeah. And like, okay, here's this video where like he teaches you this. Or like, if you look at X on this video, this is where he does his technique and he shows you. So like, you just have like this wealth library of, uh, of <laughs> oh, stuff you can go in. Sorry, I should have mentioned that the, so you could get all the videos, all the PDFs, all the seminars for $15 per month, uh, which is the price of like a bad pizza you could buy somewhere. Or you can just become like a pro painter. You know, you can either yeah, eat or pizza, like one day out of the month you could eat pizza, or you could become a pro painter. Like how can you even yeah. hold that to, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, all the techniques. I'm not doing anything complicated. I'm not doing anything uh, where you need like five hands to do. You don't need to be uh, Vishnu to do these techniques. All very simple, basic techniques overlaid on one another to give you a good result. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> well, Miles, man, I appreciate you coming on, dude. We'll go ahead and move on to the next artist. Definitely, definitely appreciate you coming on. And, man, I appreciate all of your help that, that you provide the community. 
Oh, that's my pleasure. There is one bone I have to pick with you, though. Um, a few months ago, I think you mentioned uh, that the uh, what, what's the Sister of Silence um, mobile Genesha? that you have? Oh, the Acquisitor. Uh, the Acquisitor. The Acquisitor. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, different techniques to do with the Acquisitor, and I was listening to the show, and he said, "Yeah, I've been talking to Miles in the Legend Studio how to apply oil techniques." And I took a pair. Of old underwear and wiped it across i definitely did not tell you to do that that is not <laughs> that's not that's my, approved technique that is that's how i do it man that's that's a, <laughs> that's go over the whole thing with ak interactive and then just wipe it off with old underwear and i've been using the same old underwear for like going on four years now so it, it's rough I'll, I'll take a picture of it i yeah post up so i have a similar thing but it's a, a little towelette feel it's a, it's a lot more dignified <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh i i don't know why i use this like old i think somebody said at one point to use uh like really soft like tidy whities and that's like the best way to get the paint off and i was like hey i got some old boxers and i've just been using yeah. them like i think that thing has wiped off like a warlord like three warhounds at this point like like th- these underwears have seen the gambit. And what's crazy is because it's so much AK interactive, which is like dark brown, reddish, like nasty stuff that I wipe off with them. And I don't wash them. You know, you just let them oh, keep yeah, wiping. <laughs> so it's, it's, like yeah. it's like a good walk. It's like a good walk. You never wash it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, all right. We will let you go and appreciate you again coming on. Miles of Little Legend Studios, everybody. All right, guys, we have our next painter up ready for you. Perpetual Painting Dave. Go and say what's going on, Dave. How's it going, Michael? Over there at Ryan's house right now and doing his, his game night, man. He's, you having a good time? Yeah, I'm, at, I'm in Ryan's game cave, so, yeah, it's always a good time. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So you are a commission painter for starters, right? Yeah. Yep. And that's just... Like, I, I guess let's just jump right into these questions because I think it's going to, like, answer all them. You, you're in a commission painting studio, perpetual painting. I think we've talked yep, to you. And I, uh, good. And I specialize in kind of high tabletop, kind of quick turnaround stuff. So getting your armies on the table as fast as possible, that's my main aim. And I feel like that's what everybody says about you. Like, you're like a – like, people can't believe how fast your turnaround time is for a lot of the things you throw out. Like, people are like, hey, I need this, like – in a month and you're like okay <laughs> yeah i mean i've just i just did some stuff that was like three days turnaround so yeah it's yeah. it can be pretty quick <laughs> so so with that in mind so like naturally we're talking with like all different types of painters for this episode of course we have every different person like every different style of painting and all this stuff so you're like a like quick but like good like do, like do you just like find the tips and tricks like do you just like you know, have a whole bunch of secrets that we got to milk you for? What's going on? Um, it's more about, like, batch painting. I batch paint everything. So it's it's very much, like, how quick can I do this? Like, how many guys can I paint in one go? Like, not being bored by painting the same thing over and over again. Like, I, could, I will batch, like, 24, 25 guys in one go, do all the bolt guns in one go. Um, it's... It's kind of slogging, being zen about it, listening to a podcast in the background. I listen to you guys, a lot of heresy podcasts, a lot of like science and history podcasts as well. So, Heck yeah, yeah finding something to just chill and zen about it. No, I hear you, dude. I hear you. Absolutely. What a, uh, I guess like, like, okay, so you're married and do you have kids? 
Do you have kids? Yes. Two kids. Yep. A two two year old and a six month old. So yeah, they're a pretty busy group. So where are you squeezing in this hobby time at? Like, how are you running a commission painting studio? <laughs> like, and back I don't sleep. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't sleep. I'm I'm a uh, I'm a notorious insomniac, so I sleep five or six hours a night. Um, we run our own business. We're a yarn store owners, um, which is a bit of a weird thing to cross over with painting. Um, but it means that especially during the summer when people aren't knitting because it's hot, um, I get more time. Um, and then quiet times in the store, I, I can build in my studio up there as well. So, yeah, oh. it's it's around whenever, whenever I have time. So you're living the dream pretty much. You've got a studio at yeah, your work. That you I, do, just, I do my hobbies for a job. <laughs> that's that's fantastic, man. That, of course, everybody listening right now, like especially you know some of our Patreon subscribers that we talk to, they're like, oh, I just got home. I'm going to go squeeze this in. Like me, I get home at lunch. I'm like, yeah, let me go and build something real quick. And you're like, I'm going to go pop to the studio real quick. It's a little slower. We'll see you. I'll be back. Give me a minute. Yeah, shout out to the Patreons, guys. Thanks for supporting Michael and Ryan and Scott and Eric now. And, and for some of you coming to see me. So thanks, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's get to the questions, man. How many years have you been painting? I started playing when I was like 10 years old. So in the 90s, I started playing back in, what, second, third edition. Uh, my first codex for 40K was Angels of Death um, with Dark Angels of Blood Angels. And then I painted uh, off and on um, for a long time. Um, I mainly focused on gaming. I'm just starting to like try and get into um, actually painting some display level stuff now slowing down really like focusing on getting my blend super smooth trying some like directional lighting and stuff really kind of going for top level stuff but mostly like focused on gaming i'm a gamer more than anything else at what point like did you switch over to the like commission painting world like what, what made you realize like I, honestly like it was all to do with speed like i i like playing and gaming and i will only play with painted models yep and about Five years ago or so, um, I'd been in the US a couple of years, and I found that I was basically painting faster than the armies were ready for me to play, and I really wanted to kind of focus on those. So I started um, taking a couple of local jobs, and then built up from there, uh, really started advertising, started setting myself up as a studio about a year and a half to two years later, and then taking jobs, um, a lot more jobs locally, and then eventually going kind of nationwide i got a lot of jobs in canada as well so people will send them over there but anyone who wants to start up commission painting that's a good way to go like if you have some spare time do a couple of models with some friends then eventually build up do some local stuff and then really start advertising your studio yeah fantastic man good good uh good advice there i guess one of the questions i had was i mean you, of course you talk about batch painting i obviously know it's batch painting like but if i was a brand new person you know, what is batch painting? You talk about that. Um, you want to think about like an assembly line. How quickly can you produce a squad um, or an army? So for me, if I get even up to like a two and a half thousand, three thousand point army, I will go through and basically build everything. Um, I build in sub assemblies. That's something you really want to get into even early on is making sure you're able to get to absolutely everything. Think about when you're building what color schemes you want to go for and what effects you want to get. Make sure that you have to do with minimal masking. Like masking is great when you're working with an airbrush or even with a brush to some extent. 
but make sure you're masking the least amount of time, the least amount possible. Um, there's always a risk with a mask, however careful you are, that you will pull some paint off and damage the paint below. Even if you're losing low-tack masking, masking tape, the Tamiya tape or blue-tack, there is some small risk. Um, the other thing is there is always a chance of overspray it leaking under the tape, it going beyond where your mask is. So think about when you're building something like a large tank where you want to pick the gun metal or the tracks metal leave those off the model as you go that's going to make it a lot faster to go through and then your base colors basically do one base coat on the whole army come back to your um main like your main color then your highlights um and then i use a lot of inks um if you're not using these inks and the uh, military ghost tints anything that's a uh, clear it's fantastic for adding shading in. That would be my biggest tip is look at FW inks from Dale Rowney. Yes. Look absolutely. at the um look at the military ghost tints from Badger. Um those are fantastic things to add to your toolbox. They go fantastically through your airbrush. You may need to find that instead of using the classic Patriot one oh five um or an equivalent brush, you want to get a um, a finer brush um, like the Sotar 2020 is a good example for that works so much better for inks or even the extreme Patriot from Badger is a great choice. I use um, the Badger brushes. I've just found I like them a lot more and the parts are easy to get hold of. Um, but yeah, make sure you're going through stepwise as many as you can. And then when you get to detailing, I know it's tedious, but if you have 20 tactical guys, 40 tactical guys go through, I found about 30 models is about where I can hack it go through and do all your bolt guns all in one go go through and do all of your shoulder pad rims all in one go it really makes it so much faster you're spending much less time on your troops it gives you a lot more time to spend on your characters where you really want to get the detail in so like uh when you're doing your sub assemblies how are you like i know there's a lot of people that'll use like corks and stuff like that are you one of those guys that like corks it all up it depends what it is um smaller parts i will tend to put on corks um i use uh popsicle sticks are really good as well i'll tack glue them on so use i use just the cheap super glue it's the same that ryan does they just like cheap super glue from walmart the super liquid stuff actually put that on the popsicle stick put my piece on and then zip kick the shit out of it um what that does is it sets it really fast but it also makes a really brittle joint uh so that's then really easy to break off so glue it to the popsicle stick at the point where it's not going to actually it's going to be joining to the rest of the model so you're not going to damage the paintwork underneath and the great thing about the popsicle stick instead of a core because you have like a very thin surface area you can get around it really easily uh if i'm doing if i'm doing other models uh infantry models if i'm battering like a tactical squad i'll generally i'll leave them off the bases don't ever glue anything to the base until it's painted tactical squads airbrush coats dry so fast i'll actually take a clean box airbrush them and then just lay them in the box if i'm doing a character i will use corks um it depends on how much detail you're doing and how fast the stuff is going to dry awesome dude awesome actually i i i I guess maybe i don't know if it was pretty because i saw the popsicle stick method with the giant popsicle stick i saw pretty doing that and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just grab some of those when I'm at work. Like, he actually just sent a picture of one of his work in progresses, and I grabbed them, and then I just bought a bunch of that blue tack to, like, hold them on there. But then I found out that here recently I found out, I don't know if it was the AK Interactive or if it was the uh, the actual, like, zip kicker 
that like immediately made it like super webby and all this stuff. Like it made all my blue tack all like nasty and smushy and like webby. I don't, I don't use zip kicker at all. I don't like use blue tack and zip kicker together. Like I will just straight super glue them to the popsicle stick. Yeah. So they snap off really easily afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so it's really easy to do. If you want to hold a bunch of them and keep them dry as well, I actually have, it's super janky, but I take the uh, tops of spray cans, just get the like basic like bulldog uh, piling clips. And then hot glue like three of them to a spray can, and then you have your own little like holder. So it will hold it a couple of inches off your working desk. So you can have three or four miniatures kind of clipped to each one of those spray cans. That's really useful. I have a I actually have a shelf beside my airbrush booth where I just stack those so I can have several kind of sat there at once. If you're doing a bunch of guys, you can actually clip them into the spray can lid hold that you have them clipped and then stick it on popsicle sticks and then you can just kind of go around each guy in turn that's really helpful super super helpful knowledge there man definitely definitely have to give that a try because i have a ton of spray paint can lids lying around so yeah because you never you never remember to throw them out with the can so yeah they're just just hanging around your studio anyway yeah all right so next question and this was a controversial one it's been a controversial one for every single painter we've had on so far do you prefer brush or airbrush for heresy miniatures both yeah they, pretty much everybody's answer. they do they do different things like the airbrush is fantastic for covering large areas quickly producing really nice kind of consistent fades um but it doesn't give you the texture that the brush does um it it doesn't give you the ability to get really fine detail without a lot of masking a lot of headache and it they just do different things. Like don't think of yourself as a brush painter or an airbrush painter. Think of yourself as a painter. You add paint and pigment to the model with whatever tool gives you the mark that you want, whether that be a brush or an airbrush, whether it be a makeup sponge, a makeup brush or your finger. I mean, there's lots of different techniques that you can do that give you lots of different effects. So don't think airbrush is better. Brush is better. They do different stuff. Now, if you want to go through and paint a lot of armor, um, if you want to go through and paint a lot of power armor, get yourself an airbrush. You don't have to get an expensive one. It's going to make sure that you get those base coats down a lot faster. Even if you're not very skilled, you can get your very base color down. Um, If you start to get into the point where you're batching a lot of guys at once, if you're commission painting, you want to get used to using your airbrush to do uh, consistent fade colors and come back in. I inks and ghost tints with the airbrush and clears just is another level of just adding in so much more depth to your color really really quickly and you don't have to have a lot of skill to do that it's just a a trick you get used to once you've done it a couple of times you guys have got it it's not hard um just modulating that color by adding in a clear is amazing fantastic man fantastic that's dalarani one thing i and uh around the inks the military ghost tints um tamir clears are great for that although they're not amazing stuff to work with um vallejo produces some beautiful clears for a couple of colors the vallejo smoke is one of my very favorite paints because it's like a semi-transparent kind of dirty kind of slightly yellowy brown color which is great for adding kind of dust and dirt looks kind of like faded rust it's great for shading things like reds it's a beautiful color for adding a lot of depth really quickly. Very cool, man. But yeah, get yourself on those. One thing I will say about brushes, 
everyone wants to go out and buy expensive buses straight away. They want to buy broken toad brushes. They want to buy Windsor and Newton Sevens. Those are amazing for detail work. They're amazing for um, display work. They're fantastic for freehand. You don't need to buy those for your majority of your painting. Go to your local arts and crafts store. Go to Walmart. Buy synthetic brushes. Um, you can get them for about 40 cents a piece. I tend to buy the like folk art ones um, that are 10 for 4 bucks. Gives you a variety of detail paints, uh, brushes in synthetic. The thing about the synthetic brushes, the structure of the hair is just a lot more smooth. Um, so they actually let the paint off the brush faster. So if you're trying to speed paint, they're way better at that. Use a, the largest brush you can cope with for the area. Don't go using a very small brush for painting large areas. It's going to give you lots of streaks, lots of unevenness. Um, and don't worry too much. If you wreck those 40-cent brushes, chuck them in the trash, put them in the uh, dry brush pile, put them on for adding texture to your bases, go and grab another one. There's nothing worse than buying a $20 brush and being very, very careful with it, spending forever painting a armor panel with a very expensive brush very carefully and never finishing your army so buy one or two of the expensive brushes use those for things like eyes uh freehand work um if you ever want to do any kind of glazing techniques they're fantastic for that where you don't want to add a lot of pigment at a time or you want to keep a really fine tip your army brushes buy cheap brushes you don't need to even buy like army paint or gw ones you're going to do a much better job by buying those cheap ones and then 10 for the price of one if you mess them up chuck them in the trash it's better to have a new brush that has a fine point um than keep worrying about the price of your brushes <laughs> i think i think this episode alone is gonna like tank the the Kalinsky community, man. <laughs> like oh my gosh like that's everybody's been like look <laughs> on brushes like uh, 40 cent brushes are great <laughs> like what yeah that they're, they're, they're the shit just go and buy those like and if you don't have any anywhere nearby go to everyone has a walmart this is america i mean it just i mean even if you're in the uk we have aston now they're owned by walmart go there and buy the 10 brushes for four bucks that's all you need do most of your painting with that buy a Kalinsky sable or two to do your really fine stuff that's all you need those for if you want to be fast you want to get nice good consistent blends and smooth areas you want the paint to be moving quickly buy those cheap brushes <laughs> perpetual painting dave's like trust me people pay me to paint their miniatures <laughs> <laughs> all right so the next question was, what are some tricks you learn with your preferred application medium? But, I mean, like, you've already laid out, like, a whole bunch of tricks on the brushes. You've laid out a whole bunch of tricks on the airbrush as well. So I'll Yeah, those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say another couple of things I would definitely invest in. Oh, yeah. Um, the Pledge for Clear Finish. I'm sure you've heard this from several people as well. Yes. Go and buy that stuff, like, six or seven bucks for 750 oh, mils. Yeah. That is the most perfect like acrylic medium. Um, you can use it to build washes. You can use it to dilute paint in your airbrush, build up glazes. Um, I actually use it for wet blending as well instead of water. If I'm blending two paints together, use that uh, Pledge Full Care. You really want to go and pick that up. I absolutely love it. Um, and then think about other ways you can apply paint and pigment. Uh, don't be afraid to go outside of miniature painting materials beyond that floor care stuff. Go and look at those Dale Rowley inks. Go and look even at stuff um, like folk art paints. They have some effects that you can get 
that you can't get with um, miniatures paints. There's some glow-in-the-dark stuff. There's some fluorescent stuff. There's some really bright colors you can't get. The texture is not as nice to work with. The pigmentation is not as high, but they can give you some colors that are outside other ranges. Um, definitely go and get oil paints for doing weathering. Go and get weathering pigments. Even things like artist pastels are worth using. Uh, you can get a lot of weathering colors that you couldn't get there otherwise. Um, I was really lucky and managed to find a very expensive pastel set at a thrift store for like four bucks. So I have every weathering color under the sun that you'd ever need. But go and like buy one or two pastels at a local art store. How Be familiar you, with that place. How do you use pastels like to your pastels to weather? Like what's the trick there? So how do I use that? <laughs> so if you take think about a weathering powder, like all the weathering powder is basically ground up pastel. So if you want to weather an edge, um, you can either use the pastel directly or you can use your finger um, and that should rub it against the pastel and then apply play it that way. You can rub a sponge against it and then actually stipple it on like that. Or you can grind it up and mix it with mineral spirits or an acrylic medium the same as you would a, a weathering powder. Um, it's basically, think of it as a, a solid stick of weathering powder. The same is true for graphite pencils. Uh, pencil lead is great for modeling... Um, like worn metal edges. Yeah. So if you want to get a kind of worn, faded look, basically take a, a soft pencil. Uh, you'll want something in the kind of 2B to 4B category, like a sketching pencil. Scribble it on just like a piece of paper or sandpaper until you get some dust. Dip your finger in it and just wipe it along the edges. Um, that will give you a weathered kind of worn metal look. Acts almost like a weathering powder. So you can use those solid mediums and then just produce the powder as you need it or even just use them as a stick. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I did that exact same method, but with my, like, $9 <laughs> secret weapon miniatures, like, weathering powder. <laughs> and the secret weapon weathering powders are amazing, and so are the, like, the Vallejo ones. But don't feel like everything you need to buy has to say it's a miniature paint or a miniature's weathering powder. You're, you're doing exactly the same thing um, and applying pigment in exactly the same way. If you buy it from the artist store, you buy it from the craft store, step out of that. It has to say model on the label. Uh, the other thing to look at, I'm sure you've heard this from other people as well. If you're using a spray primer, don't go and buy against workshop primers. Don't buy Timea primers. You're wasting your money. Go and buy an etching uh, primer, like one that says that it bonds to plastic from just like your local box store. Go and buy something like the uh, uh, Rustoleum double coverage primers. Are absolutely fantastic if you're going to spray prime. Airbrush primers are great, but they're not fast. If you want to do a large number of miniatures, what I'll tend to do is airbrush or uh, spray prime everything, flip it over, spray prime again, and then if I miss anything, I'll go back in with an airbrush primer afterwards and touch it up. Spray primes are great if you want to go fast. Um, but don't go and buy miniatures primer. Go and buy etching auto primer. It gives you a much better finish, and it's way cheaper, like a twelfth of the expense. Absolutely, dude. It's all solid advice. I'm definitely gonna have to go find me some like a, a pastel set on eBay or something, and like just go see what I can see what I can get out of it. See what kind of colors I can pull out. So, very cool, man. Definitely appreciate that. And solid, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, definitely good point on the primers and stuff like that um just and if you want tips like that if you want more tips like that go and look at the old uh forge world masterclass books and go and look at military modelers magazines and stuff any of their old articles these people were producing these kind of techniques before 
you were able to easily get modeling materials like it's only been the last kind of few years like the last five to ten years that these things have easily been accessible everywhere as modeling's become more of a thing so if you look at old articles and old books like they tell you how to do this shit um with easily available materials and then it's just been rebranded and some of the work has been taken out of it for you to put a modeling name on it but you're you're applying pigment in the same way it doesn't matter what the pigment is as long as you seal it in and it sticks who cares yeah absolutely and good point on that military modeling stuff i just recently got into military modeling magazines just because of the whole dust thing and like there's so much information in those magazines it's ridiculous oh those people are like miles ahead of anything that the wargaming community is doing they just they've got it down they know what they're doing yeah absolutely absolutely okay next question how much time do you spend per model what model do you mean i mean (laughs) um let's say like a lot for me like so um i know it's not 30k but uh, like pox walkers uh that are really popular for 40k right now for me like i batch painted them i could get through 24 in five-ish hours or so um just because i'm batch painting like a a regular marine because you're batch painting again like uh, 20 to 30 minutes a model um with characters two to three hours for a base character primarchs is going to take me a lot longer it all depends exactly what you're doing what level you detail you're aiming for terrain i tend to go a bit faster no one cares if your terrain doesn't have quite the level of detail um so it, it all depends on what you're aiming for but it the more detailed the model and the more kind of showcase it is, the longer it's going to take. Uh, vehicles, even though they're big, they don't take a lot of time simply because it's mostly flat panel work and like oil washes and things like that that go pretty quickly. So it, it depends. Very cool. Yeah, it was more, yeah. It, it's definitely one of those things like don't be afraid if you're going to invest this much time into a model. Don't think you're taking too extra long on anything. Like, everything everything will work out the better you get the the, the faster you're going to start moving through those models as well and your line troopers batch paint them just don't even don't ever think of not batch painting them like seriously <laughs> it, it will give you much more time to work on your characters which is where the fun is in painting and it's where you really want to spend your time to make them stand out so batch troopers uh, block troopers just paint batch paint them just just get on that bandwagon huge proponent of batch painting over here definitely (laughs) if you haven't started it start it it's i mean if you if you're only if you're only doing like a skirmish game um or you're only paying a zone mortalis force and you want everything every single model to look amazing like you go for that but the majority of people want to get a nice looking army on the table and they want to do it quickly and be able to play with that like if you if you're aiming to do display level work or you're aiming to do a small force that you want to look amazing or you only ever intend to paint one army think about it like sit down and do spend four hours on a tactical squad guy like that's fine it's just if it i prefer to see fully painted fully completed armies on the table the one really nice looking guy and then the rest of the squad is never painted like so many people do that <laughs> they spend so much time on one tactical dude and they never painted the rest of the squad and it's it's it just breaks my heart to see all those poor guys who are just gray or just in primer <laughs> just saying paint me paint me too yeah exactly like 
So I I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. What are your preferred paints? It depends on the color. Um, I do like the Vallejo ranges. Uh, I especially like the air range because they're, they're very nice to work with straight out of the bottle most of the time. And big, Vallejo just makes so many paints. They do the the model range, the model air range, the game range, the game air range, and now they have that, uh, whatever it's called, mecha. the Gundam range. Yeah, the mecha. Mecha, mecha range. They give you so many options. Um, I really like those. FW inks and the Minotaur ghost tints, I would say, are definitely a game changer. Uh, GW paints, uh, I like their reds and some of their really bright greens. You, there's just not that many saturated colors like that in other companies. But I find their texture isn't great and the pots are just horrible to work with. They like Even if you seal them great, the paint dries out really fast. Um, P3, I absolutely love their metals. Um, I'm not a fan of the rest of the range, but their metals are really nice and smooth and creamy. Scale 75, I know a lot of people are raving about those. For me, because I'm speed painting, I find that they don't build up as fast. Um, by the time you've got them to consistency, that actually goes on smoothly. They're better for people who are doing display work and doing a lot of like glaze coats and stuff like that, in my opinion. Um, they are nice paints, but they, the pigmentation level um, is just not as high for me. Um, but yeah, any like any range that has the color you want and is workable enough for you to work with, go for it. I I'm not a huge fan of any particular paint brand. Man, absolutely, though. I really, I really, really appreciate you like breaking in. Like, I like these metals. I like these high saturation colors here. Like, definitely, definitely appreciate you going through that list like that. That's awesome. Like, definitely. And, and we do have some uh, individuals that did say they really did like that scale 75, but you do make a really good point that, yes, is a good paints, but like if you're going for speed, probably not the best paints. So... Very cool, man. I've used a couple of their colors, and I really, I like, I like the the fact that they're they're super creamy, they're super kind of fine ground and smooth. You can get a smooth look to them, but but you need quite a few coats to actually build up a solid layer. When I'm working with them, um, I've not tried the metallics. I've heard some really good thing about the metallics, so I can't say they're but they're just base matte colors. They're super matte. That's one thing that a lot of people really like about them. They are super matte, um, but I I just. I didn't find they build it, uh, built up as much as I wanted them to as quickly as I wanted to. Gotcha. All right, so next question. Do you have any preferred brands or like some brands to go look for? Of what? Anything. Anything out there. Like you, you, you said you like Badger. Well, I, mean, any... I do like my Badger airbrushes. So I had um, Pache airbrushes uh, for a while, and I, I like those, um, but I got – a, a badger 105 extreme just because i like the fact that it has the pressure adjuster in the nozzle badger airbrushes are the shit like they're they're really good to work with um they're really easy to get the parts in the u.s because they are u.s made um and they're they're a good price for what you're looking for so i know there are higher end like finer quality uh, airbrushes around as you probably guessed from talking to me like i focus on painting stuff fast to a good quality for tabletop so it's it's always a balance when i'm looking at like to, if if something like getting a harder and steinbeck airbrush it might be a nicer airbrush but they're harder to get the parts in the u.s um they're not as uh, resilient like if i go in and i want to be super speedy and put in the paint 
a mix is a bit too thick like is going to be less happy with me than a than a, like the patriot 105 is um so yeah i uh, i can't say enough good stuff about badger airbrushes i've been really pleased with them um and ken the owner is always running the booths at every place you go to like you go and talk to him and, and say like what do i want what do i need he's really good about that stuff um so i do like them um the minotaur ghost tints i really like those uh fw inks go and find those and then the pledge floor polish go and grab that definitely for sure um and i i know we're like this is a heresy podcast like i paint every system i'm not really picky about what i'm painting so as regards to miniatures brands that i enjoy forge world like horus heresy especially the character series like i would paint that all day if it was up to me i'd paint character series um and then cool mini or not dark age like i'm into that along with ryan I, I really love the models there if i could paint those two things all day i'd be happy i end up painting a lot of 40k age of sigma war machine stuff like just because i i do have the policy of painting anything that's sent my way but i would much rather paint forge world <laughs> cool mini or not and be done like throw the rest out of the window but i don't have that choice <laughs> that's awesome fantastic all right, and so the last question is, can you give us a time when you fucked up? Like, like when have like maybe a learning experience about painting where you just fucked up? Um, there's always the time when you're building a model and you drop the piece and it disappears under your desk. That happened to me. That's the just only one of those today, available. Dude. Yep. There's a Tataris <laughs> shoulder pad somewhere under here, and it's driving me crazy that I know it's here somewhere. And those aren't you like you just can't get Tatara shoulder pads. Like that's a resin yeah, I, one too. I cannot count the number of hours I spent on my knees, like crawling around in my studio looking for something. And we have an old house; it's all hardwood floors and like gaps around the baseboards. So, the like when we eventually like move out or I die, and they eventually clear up my house, they're gonna find thousands of resin and plastic bits under there. Um, there's usually a replacement. I have a fairly extensive bits box, but that's always a bad thing. Um, be careful with your sealer. Um, there was one time that springs to mind. Um, shout out to uh, Ryan Bridges. I know he's a he's one of the guys who listens to you and does stuff with the um, with you guys. Um, I was painting an RV for him using a clears to do a candy coat, and yeah, it turns out that candy coats don't really like you putting too much sealer on them. They kind of dissolve and run all over the place. So there was some emergencies oh. there. So oh. be careful. Make sure everything's compatible. Make sure you don't spray too much sealer on your model. Um, <laughs> so you can really mess up at any step. And that's all a case of making lots and lots of little mistakes. You will do that. Don't be disheartened. You don't always have to strip your miniature. There are other things you can do to fix it. There's this wonderful thing called weathering that you can just go, oh, I chipped the paint there. I can dab a little bit of that on, especially if you're going for a weathered look. Like It's not... Little mistakes are not the end of the world. You're going to do it all the time. You're only going to learn by making those mistakes and then remembering not to do it again. So if you're a beginner painter, don't be afraid of mistakes. Don't think everything has to be perfect straight away. And don't think you have to produce like commission level or competition level stuff straight away. It you anything takes learning like with my other job running the yarn store we also we're teaching people all the time to learn how to knit like people ex expect to be as good as they ex teaching adults is hard like if you're teaching kids kids fuck up all the time but they know that they don't know how the world works and how everything works like adults by the time you got to your mid-20s to early 30s you know like 
I know how the world works. I got this stuff. Like, I don't fuck things up anymore. Like, I know how to tie my shoes. I know how to go to the bathroom on my own. I expect to be able to produce, like, as good a painting as the teacher the first time they sit down to be able to do it. Don't feel like you have to. Like, you, you're going to learn. You're going to refine it. Don't worry about little fuck-ups. You're going to get way better at it. Powerful words from Powerful Dave. Very cool, man. Very cool. So before we let you go, man, let's do some self shout outs. Like where can people find you? Where can people look up your stuff? Do you have you know, how can they get commissions from you? Do you offer classes? What's going on? You have Patreon? What's what's the word? Um I don't have Patreon yet. I might be bringing that out soon, um, and trying to get some videos up. I'm I'm always painting so far, so I don't get on my social media as much as I want to. You can see normally basically the models I really enjoy doing or something that's new uh, is on my Facebook. You can find me there, Perpetual Painting on Facebook. Um, that's where I do most of my stuff from and I try and share it around if you are starting to get into Dark Age I know there's a lot of crossovers between podcasts Yeah, I'm doing a Dark Age special this summer so you can get your 750 point list plus your 150 sideboard and some fancy painting uh, fancy basing done by me for 250 bucks I don't care what faction it is I'm running that all summer basically until I'm booked up um, but yeah find me on Facebook I'm on Instagram as well I should be better on there too um, but you'll see probably about 40-50% of my work when I get around to posting it uh, I much prefer painting to doing social media so um, you'll you'll find me you can hit me up fantastic I definitely appreciate you coming on man I'll let you get back to your, your game night over there but definitely, I'm sure everybody listening right now definitely appreciates all the tips that you didn't drop for everybody. And I'm pretty sure everybody's going to go run to Walmart and go buy out all the 40-cent brushes. So I better go get mine now. <laughs> yeah, you should. I don't my, I do not do my grocery shopping there. So you should see me getting the 40-cent brushes and floor polish and their cheapo super glue. Like, my cart looks really weird. I think I always get a uh, weird look from the cashier when I check out. <laughs> Hell yes. All right. Well, I will let you go, Dave. Thank you so much. Okay, cheers, Michael. Good to speak to you, Dan. All right, guys. And now we're on to our next artist. And uh, James, are you, a, are you a commission painter as well, or is it just strictly teaching? Well, we've uh, done the commission painting thing since about 2001. Actually, when we first started painting miniatures, was so we were commission painters. So you're full-on invested. By the way, this powerful James Wapple, everybody. Uh, you've heard many Ryan talk about him quite a bit, and uh, I'm pretty sure you can go find him on, on Facebook as well, the powerful James Wapple. And I think you're, you're known for your socks on your, your wrist, correct? That's like the – that's your, your go-to, like your, uh, your bracers. I'm wearing them right now. They give you superpowers, as in they keep you from wiping your brushes on your pants so that you don't get yelled at. Yeah. They, they, they start out as just a way to stay warm in the wintertime without having to wear heavy sweatshirts, which really aren't good for miniature painting. And I just was not paying attention to what I was doing, and I just sort of wiped the brush on the sock. And I went, well, wait a second. That's a real handy paper towel right there that's always with me exactly where I need it. Instead of, like right now, all the paper towels that are by my painting area, which people can't see, they're all on the floor. They're all gone. But my sock, my faithful sock, is always with me. Is it one sock? Because I know, I know for sure, I've seen that black Under Armour sock on your wrist a lot. I think you have multiple, or is it, do you buy multiple Under Armour socks? Or is that like... 
No, nope, these are just this is when socks die because apparently I have sharp feet. They <laughs> the 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 front part gets cut off. You know that your foot goes in, and about the last I don't know five to ten inches of the what do you want to call it the the spring part that gets yep. saved. And right now, actually, I have two on one arm, one on the other, because there's the painting table that I've got right now. My forearms are just getting chewed up by the sharp angle. So I actually have a couple extra socks on. They're padding. So I could actually go out and play some pickup football here. <laughs> and I'd be all padded up and ready to go. I used to actually wear cut-up socks when I was 20 years old to go play tackle football with. Didn't really protect very much. Protect a lot more now, actually. Protect me from tables. <laughs> and, those har- and those harmful table edges. I think it's so cool. Cause so, so, guys, what he's talking about is the tube part of the sock he has on his wrist. And I guess you, you take your paintbrush and you clean it off on that tube part of the sock. Like I think most people out there, most people will wipe, like when they're dry brushing and stuff like that, they'll wipe that paint on their hand. And I think you just, like, you're just, you, you streamline the method. And you get to stay clean in all of this. Well, the one, the one thing I've realized is now that I'm using it with oil paints, uh-huh. I have to ditch the the sock right afterwards because I'm used to it. Just you know, I'll just spend the rest of the day with the sock on my arm. Doesn't work so well with oils because that oil is going to stay wet for a while. Yep. And as, as I discovered, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, gonna have to to ditch the sock now if I'm using the oils because that's going to get on everything else afterwards. But I I basically have oil socks now, and then I have the regular painting socks. Super. Cool. I even have them for when I'm doing terrain because I end up with glue all over myself. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's it's such a cool trick, such a cool trick. Very very nice. And this is like step like not even into the questions yet. We're already learning from you. So. <laughs> fantastic usually well you know eventually we're gonna have to get into the the most fantastic paint jar container ever otherwise known as nail polish containers and and i've got i got a set of 20 of them right here so uh, that started out with the those mig ammo oil brushers it's basically an eyeliner container with a brush inside so instead of those stupid dropper bottles which clog 99 percent of the time and the, you know, the top part shoots off, and you get paint all over your miniatures, and you say a lot of words we can't say right now on this podcast. <laughs> oh, we can say them. Don't you worry about that. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, this is the most fabulous material ever, ever because you can take your paint, you shove it in this little nail polish container, which is shorter and squatter. It's got a square bottom. does not fall over. They actually come with a little steel agitator. And a stainless steel agitator, and they come with a tiny funnel. They're designed to be filled with nail polish. So you basically have these ready-made paint jars that can hold an entire jar of regular paint. But now instead of opening the top, and sometimes, because the more you, you pry off the, the dropper part, the weaker that gets. So it'll, it'll stay in the cap now when you screw off the cap. And now you've got two-thirds of a jar of paint laying on your palette, which is less than useful. Unless you gotta really paint a whole bunch of stuff in the next ten minutes, so I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, I was looking to get new containers for my oil paints, where you know you have to paint with it thinned out. So what if I made my own 
you know, 30% white spirits, 70% oil, and put them in my own containers. I said, wait a second. This could work for all of these paint jars, these dropper bottles that just explode half the time in my hands. (laughs) It's not expensive. I think I got 20 of them here for 15 bucks on Amazon. The case itself is padded. So each one of the containers has its own little place in the case, fully padded. It's in a nice box. And it has this glorious name of, uh, what is this? CC and CC. Uh, empty glass polished bottles. So you can be ultra fashionable and utilitarian all at the same time. How could you ask for anything else? CC and CC. Like, that's, I mean, you, you're high class at that point. And then it's like, man, you have a lot of earth tone nail polishes there. So, yeah, oh. couldn't be any worse than Marty and I walking into, God, it must have been a dollar store or a drugstore or something like that. This is about 10.30 at night, and I was going to show him oil painting stuff. So he needed the, the makeup sponges. And Marty looks like Mr. Clean, only like Mr. Clean who could beat up Mr. Clean. Oh, geez. And I walk in there, and you have these two guys walking in the store, walk up to the counter, and we both ask, so, so where's your makeup stuff? And these two girls just they just backed away from the counter. We probably could have taken everything that was in the store and they wouldn't have tried to stop us. Because <laughs> cause they were not expecting the two of us to ask that particular question. Is this altered so, so, beast <laughs> Mr. Clean? Like what's going on? Why is he why is he so big? <laughs> and and it was like, it was after ten o'clock at night, because we needed him for the next day, because I think he was gonna be trying out oil washes on his drop zone commander ships or drop fleet commander ships. And okay. he he needed a bunch more makeup sponges and that's where we went to get him and <laughs> but yeah, we we definitely will probably remain in their memories for the rest of their lives. That the two scary guys that came in and asked for makeup sponges. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> That's wild, <laughs> but it, it, it's all for the, painting little toys. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, if somebody finds that uh that mysterious, mysterious, you know, hidden gem somewhere, like the, like I think the Taro model maker the other day found out that you can take uh, watercolor pens and put uh, Games Workshop shades in there, and you can just have like endless shade coming out of your paint brush. It's just, you know, everything, every, everybody finds his little tricks and uh, makes them work. It is, there is a downside because if I, anytime I go on to say Facebook, my Amazon thing will pop up and it'll say recommended for James and it'll list about 20 Maybelline products on there. Because we use about four different kinds of makeup sponges. All of our miniatures right now, the ones, especially the ones in progress, are sitting on these makeup display shelves. The oil brushers are sitting in some kind of eyeliner display thing. When I'm doing my live streams, I need to be able to see everything that's around me. I can't be hunting around through shelves. So I've got these clear shelving units, again, from Maybelline or some other beauty product place. So... Facebook realizes that Jim likes fabulous stuff. So let's show him even more fabulous stuff on his Facebook page. I like it. <laughs> more and more tips and tricks just to show up on your page. 
You just got to find your local makeup aisle. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's funny because Kathy only takes, even now she uses way more makeup products for miniature painting than, than she does just regular wise. She's like, yeah, I only need a couple of those sponges for my face. I need the rest of these, though, for you know doing the washes on my bases. <laughs> that's awesome we uh me and my my co-host derek we find ourselves in the we find ourselves in the in the makeup aisle quite a bit for the the face swabs that clean your face off for cleaning the inside of the airbrushes and stuff like that we uh we go and pick that up and just have like a whole bunch of like stuff to clean airbrushes coming out of there and it looks like we're about to go do a makeup tutorial on youtube pretty much every time well, you could you could body paint each other. It's <laughs> awful cold, but you could do it. <laughs> well, we're in Texas, so we would definitely we could. We should. Actually, we'll talk about it. We might do that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a little warmer down there than it is up here. Which which of course that is that is how the whole sock thing got started. It was just to stay warm. <laughs> and it kind of devolved into way more than just that. These horrible, horrible cold wrists. That's the one thing you don't want. Cold wrists, cold forearms, I guess, because you get that's a pretty large sock. Well, in about mm, a week or so, they're going to be for absorbing sweat because Chicago usually goes from snowfall to ninety degrees in about a week and a half. So, so there will be a point where these are more like you know a basketball player wearing a headband. <laughs> so they go from. From wrist warmer to paint grabber to wristband, all in within the course of your years. I mean, there's no really no point to take them off, really, if you think about it, if you're in our, our line of business. Well, you can go more with the multi-ted. This is like the sock podcast right here. If you take those things and soak them in, say, ice water, now they can actually cool your body because you have all those veins right there in your wrist yep. and it can even serve as a wet palette because you got a wet <laughs> sock on your wrist so you don't even need a wet palette anymore you just have a wet sock well this is the painting episode so i feel like there's probably somebody out there who's like man i i don't want to paint because the only painting area i have is my hot garage it's like well get yourself a sock bud put some ice water on it then you got a wet palette a way to cool yourself down and a way to i guess also dump your dump your paints clean your brush off it's the ultimate way to stay cool while you're painting it's the ultimate portable palette i you just got it all right there <laughs> you've really you've sold me on the sock i will I won't go find. I don't have any tube socks. I'm a, I'm a ankle sock guy. But you know what? I'll find some tube socks to give this a try. I guarantee it. <laughs> so, I guess let's let's go to these questions because we've got a lot of sock talk. I'm sure there's tons of people out there that are probably thinking to themselves, man, I may as well give this a try. I've got some old tube socks. But uh, let's get some questions out. Let's get some questions that we have for you, so we can start getting through these and start getting through your. Uh, through your more tips and tricks. So, so the demented world of me, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, what you're going to get. Yeah, let's get inside the mind of Mr. Wapple. So how many years Scary. have you been painting? <laughs> well, uh, miniature-wise, we started painting about the summer of 2001. 
but I've been doing a 2D art thing since I was five. So actually, I still technically haven't painted miniatures for as long as I did regular 2D art. Okay. What was your medium whenever you were painting 2D art? Was it like acrylic or oils? Um, basically, anything that, anything that didn't move. Uh, charcoals, pastels, watercolors, oils, acrylics, or it's combinations of all of them. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. That's that's awesome. I, I uh, we, we there's not really a whole bunch of like traditional artists that that we've talked to that find their way over. I, I'm sure there all oh, there's tons out there, but as far as like what we know, you know, you, is that just something that you just transitioned over whenever you started model painting, or actually, it was sort of forced on us uh, back in around well 2000. That's when I met Kathy, and she got me into the miniature painting because I happened to have a Blood Bowl team that wasn't painted. She said, ah, you know what? Hey, you're not doing anything with those. We both had regular acrylic paint because she's a 2D artist also. I said, well, we got paint. We got brushes. We got miniatures. Let's just screw around and paint these things. We had a whole bunch of fun. And the uh, friends of ours that were in the Blood Bowl League with us, they liked them so much, they had to start painting teams. We said, okay. Oh. There are certain times of the year where there's just no art shows. So maybe we could paint miniatures during that time. Also, right around that time, you had eBay and PayPal emerge. So now we didn't have to drag our stuff to an art show, paying all of the hotel fees, commission fees, just doing one show at a time or trying to mail out art to all these shows, hoping that somebody buys something. Now all we had to do is just put some pictures up, and some guy from England could potentially buy it and send us money instantly. So wow. he said, "Well, this is kind of neat." And then, then once nine eleven happened, that was the that basically killed what was left of the two D art because our biggest show of the year was that week. It was Celtic Fest downtown. That was canceled. We lost twenty percent of our income for the year. It was like canceling Christmas, basically. Wow. And for the next year and two after that, nobody wanted to travel to shows. They were too scared or gas was too expensive. So this was something where, okay, it doesn't matter. We can go online. People don't have to leave their houses. Most people that do these hobby things are indoor people anyways. So they're not still not going to want to leave their house. And that just, it was kind of a confluence of things. And we realized that we could apply a lot of our 2D painting techniques to miniatures. In fact, that's what we did. We instantaneously treated miniatures as tiny 3D paintings. That's so wild. What a wild story to just kind of get forced into it and then just, you know, that's, wow, that's wild. Well, that's, well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> people people ask me, well, Jim, don't don't you miss the 2D art? I said, are you kidding me? I paint every day now. When I was doing the 2D art, I do maybe one painting a month. The other 80% of the time was spent printing prints, matting prints, shipping prints, fixing prints that were shipped back. I was a glorified Kinko's office. And I, wasn't, I was doing hardly any art. And you're hoping that somebody wants to buy this picture of whatever astronomy subject, wildlife, Celtic mythology, whatever, you just have to hope. There'll be paintings that people said, Jim, that's your masterpiece. Nobody bought them. 
I did a test print of a painting that I did for my niece for her birthday, sold hundreds of that. Now, <laughs> someone says, I need this miniature painted by you here. Here's money. Here's a miniature painted. That is a whole lot easier to deal with. For sure. And Absolutely. now I actually – I. and two, there's way more of a right because – I got Gangs of Rome figures out here. I got miniatures from three-year-old companies. I don't even know what they are. I've got bolt-action figures. I've got uh, confrontation stuff, creature caster, reaper figures, scale 75, what is this, RNA Studios, probably 20 different companies worth of miniatures just within a 10-foot radius of me. And each of those, they have different sculptors, different artists, so each one of them is like a different type of it's a different subject matter. So it's a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. That's super cool. I guess uh do, do, are you a are you a brush painter or an airbrush painter? To me, it's all just tools, whether it's a makeup applicator, a brush or an airbrush. They're just means to an end. Uh for me, an airbrush is basically a very colorful and tiny water cannon. <laughs> what a cool <laughs> way to describe that. <laughs> I, I, well, when, I, when I'm at a, a show or whatever, I will demonstrate because I'll say, what PSI do you have that at? And I'll say, I don't know, stand about six feet away from me. And if I hit you, then you know I got it at about 45 <laughs> because that's usually I have it somewhere between 30 and 40. Uh, actually, I used to use an airbrush way back in the day. I used to airbrush watercolors on a watercolor board with one of those really fancy, I think it's a Pache external needle brushes. And you actually had to have the pressure cranked up to like 50 to get that stupid external needle to work. So I got used to super high pressure. And people are horrified now. Yeah. You know, They think I'm like sandblasting stuff at that pressure. And I say, well... Badger makes 12 colors of primer. That's four more than I usually use to paint an entire army. So I'm going to take my very colorful, tiny water cannon. I'm going to throw these colors in there at very high pressure and do some preliminary painting and shading on between 20 and 100 figures of all types, maybe even some terrain. Actually, I was just doing that yesterday. I had to prime primer paint, terrain, vehicles, miniatures, and something else. And it was about 30 different things. All One was a plane, the model plane even. And I went in and I primed some. Some of it was just kind of final painting, like on the terrain. And there's nothing like having, I don't know, eight layers of primer on your figure. Instead of you go to the store, you get the one can of toxic primer that you have to spray outside and pray that it doesn't get foggy or dusty or whatever it does. Yeah. And now you're going to grab, you're going to handle that figure and stick it in and out of your foam line case several dozen times with this beyond paper thin layer of primer. Or you can have my thing where it's got eight layers of primer. It's got like, <laughs> it's like an M&M. It's got this hard candy shell, which I will now apply my paint to. <laughs> and it's so, I, so to, to me, the, the airbrush is just part of the process. The other thing it lets me do is actually paint miniatures that are mounted on a base. Because before, we never used to be able to do that. We had to paint them on a dowel rod or something else and then attach them later. 
and I would realize that I spent, I don't know, 45 minutes painting all this detail on like the underside of a robe or a crotch that you couldn't see unless you brought a magnifying light down there. So that's just, why am I wasting time on this? Between the oil paints and their high capillary action and the airbrush, I can get enough color in this area that nobody's going to look at. So it, it just, it started to save time, which it's important for me because it's what we do for a living, but it's just as important for somebody that has an hour to paint a day if they're lucky maybe 20 minutes if the kids start trying to kill each other or set the house on fire. <laughs> yeah, just blast through it super quick. And it, it definitely it definitely is a time saver, but, I mean, it seems like the application you use it for is, like, pretty pretty detailed application, what you're going with your airbrush on that. <laughs> your different choices. Well, I know with, the, like, the vehicles, okay, I had to get this Matilda for that battle report. It just needed to be painted in a matter of a few hours. So I, I just took uh, my browns and blacks and oranges and sort of hit the underside of it and the tracks. So it kind of already had that weathered look to it. And then if it was going to be green or dunkelgrau, whatever, I just took the green primer or the gray primer, did some gradations there. And then I just started to do my washes over the top, did my decals and weathering over the top of that poof. Uh, I think you can actually see uh, there was a Facebook Live that I did and on my YouTube channel. You can see it was those two objective markers that had to be done by the next day. <laughs> and I I took the, the Badger Primer, a couple of different colors, kind of gave it a, a little bit of some earth tones and whatever, and then some gray, what the Dunkle Grau was supposed to be. I took the Secret Weapon Weathering Paints, weathered them, did the, the gray, put my decals on, and boom. In a matter of hours, those were done. So it's, again, they're all just different tools. And why not imagine, use them? <laughs> can never imagine doing something like that with a, with a normal, you know, brush, unless you got a really big brush and some really thin paints. And, and it's, it's always hilarious because the people they see me using, my, the brush that I use for 95% of all miniatures is a number eight round craft brush that costs about 35 cents. <laughs> well, remember back in those watercolor days, if you were caught using a brush smaller than that, basically your art supplies were taken away and you just got to sit there and look like an idiot. Uh, really? your, most of your painting was done with a one-inch brush. Whether it was watercolors, oils, or whatever, and that, that tiny number eight round craft brush, that was only if maybe you were doing some portraiture or something that really required that kind of a brush. Because as, uh, as people see on my videos, live sessions, whatever, that number eight round brush, when it's pristine and brand new, the point is the same as a tiny brush. What I also have in that giant brush is a whole bunch of paint. So I can do the same miniature in fewer brush strokes. The paint stays wetter longer i can wet blend longer i can wet blend easier because i have this gigantic trowel size brush instead of a little tiny spotter and i'll actually i'll make this motion i'll pick up a miniature and i'll say who's going to have a better chance of avoiding those brush strokes that everybody's so afraid of somebody that attacks their miniature like this and i, I take the spotter brush and i do a little morse code on the figure and then i'll take my big old brush 
and in four or five brush strokes cover the same area with some blending and say who has an easier chance of getting easier blends you know this guy who has attacked his miniature with 4000 stabbing motions or the person that did five brush strokes right <laughs> that's so wild so you're the proponent of like you know you're like do you, i guess you just like go to hobby lobby pick up a bunch of brushes go to town you're not a is that all your brushes or do you have some like really nice like Kalinsky's or what I uh, have what a your... couple I have a couple of those series sevens and that's uh -huh. basically for painting eyes freehand uh, maybe some some you know logos or whatever but my favorite thing actually was I think it was a flames of war tank and I actually took one of my number eight craft brushes that still had like glue and oxide paste covering the ferrule and I painted uh, Balkan Ruse on the side of this tiny little vehicle with this number eight craft brush that had glue and oxide paste all over it. The, the synthetic brushes, they're designed to take punishment. And then actually I learned that when these things start to get worn down, you don't throw them away, they become a different kind of brush. They become a filbert brush, which oil painters know because that is... 90% of all oil paint is done with a filbert brush. It's basically sort of a flat brush, but the edges are rounded. So you can get soft feathering as opposed to kind of that hard chisel. Yeah. But you can still have a chisel edge. So you can flatten that brush out. It's almost like a tiny fan brush. You can actually flatten it out so you actually have a chisel edge. You can actually draw a line with your filbert brush. If you if it starts to spread out, now you get better coverage. So if you're doing one of those big old cloaks, you can you now have a huge coverage with this brush with plenty of paint inside of it. That's so crazy. And when, that's, that's when, such a like I've never in my life used a, a filbert brush. It's a pe that's like the peacock brush, right? Like the one that's like completely spread out. Like a uh, well, that's that's a fan brush. The filbert brush okay. is not as spread out as that. They're maybe anywhere between a quarter inch to about an inch wide. Okay. And they're just they're they're, just, they're, they're almost shaped like a like an upside down U, basically. And then the idea is that you can sort of scumble though. You can do all kinds of neat effects with those. And when it when it gets even more worn down, I'll actually snip off say the last quarter inch of the handle. Now it's a stippling brush or a spatter brush. So I have, I have a whole vast collection of these green-handled brushes that I just get from Hobby Lobby at 5 bucks for a pack of 12. That's so wild. And, like, do you – like, I, this is, like, so crazy. Like, it, it's super cool to hear. Like, and you go live and you show people how to just, like, go to town with these brushes, right? Like, <laughs> people can just go to your Facebook and, like, see you going live and, like, see you going to town, right? Oh yeah, they that might you know James Wapple Facebook. You look at my videos. There's probably about forty some of them by now. You can look at the blog. There's usually links to, so like the the Panzerek thing. There's links to the. I did one in a live session, and then there's one up on my YouTube channel. So there's about mm, twenty some odd videos there now. This is some of our painting videos. There's a few battle reports now. Uh, let's see, you've got. The Painting Pyramid series that I did, that was 53 videos. Each one's 100 minutes long. And every single one of them starts out with talking about the magic craft brushes. 
That's so wild. You know, it's me and you were kind of talking about it before we actually started the the podcast and all this stuff. But you know, we're talking about like how there's all these different uh, these different like internet professionals out there that are like you know like they're the go to like oh you cannot use this because this or this or this. But they've never picked up like what they're talking about or they've never used what they're talking about. They're like this the self self assigned uh, uh, professionals or you know the go to end all word of these things. And like here it's like you are just like use craft brushes. Craft brushes are fine. Here's videos of me using craft brushes and here's my final results. That's so cool to me. That's so cool. Like I just at Little Wars they had uh like a paint and take type area and I felt kind of bad because I was off about twenty feet away from him. I was painting in one of the in the warlord booth and I could hear the guy talking, and he was he was talking. Yeah, you need this kind of fine brush. You need this, 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 all, all of these things. And he he said, "Hey, you know, do you want to come over here? You're just by yourself. Come on over this. Way. I know you got your lighting set up." So I came over there, and over the next two hours, it was revealed that I do exactly the opposite of everything they've been preaching the entire weekend, <laughs> using these crappy, nasty brushes. No careful step-by-step thing. People really freak out when they see me do the oil painting because there's no base coat with oils. You just start painting. You could actually just take your paint right out of the tube and stick it on the miniatures to moving it around. And this, this is horrifying as my regular painting style is. This, I actually have to have the paddles handy to resuscitate people when they see this. <laughs> Because they may just break out into like convulsions or something, and I need to give them an EpiPen or something like that because they can't. Where's your primer? Where's your primer? (laughs) Oh, actually, what was it? I think two years ago at Adepticon, we had to paint these vehicles, and all I had to really paint them with was mostly primer. And these things weren't primed, they were these gigantic resin things. So we basically, I spent two hours painting with almost nothing else but primer. Oh, that's so wild. Including the freehand designs on it and the weathering and everything else. Actually, at the end of the two hours, there were still parts of it where the primer was still wet. <laughs> but when because it cured, that model was, didn't even need a varnish. It was solid. Uh, hey, I was wet blending the primer. <laughs> I like your... Uh your like gorilla style painting where it's just like, Hey, it's a color. I'm going to put it on there. Hope it dries. <laughs> well, originally we call it kind of like the subversive paints, but I like the gorilla thing because now, you know, I take pictures of myself painting and I got the green and black war paint on my face. I got like leaves on top of my head. So I'm totally camouflaged. I actually know if I was going to do that, I would just have like, I could just be covered in paint socks. That, that, that would be my camouflage. I think it'd be so cool if you did like a a YouTube series or as like a, where you're going to like enter a, enter a painting competition. It's like, and we have a budget of $40 and we're going to go into Hobby Lobby and see what we're going to go into the Walmart craft section and see what we come out with. (laughs) Matt, 40 bucks. Talk about pinky up. What's going on here? (laughs) 40 bucks. Give me 10. (laughs) Give me 10 and I'll spend five of it on, on snacks. (laughs) Yeah, because you need the snacks. You can't can't live without the food. You only need three colors and a brush. That's all you need. 
three colors and a brush. You were talking about a class that you actually put on that was just strictly like primary colors, and that was you had to blend everything. Is that well? A, it's pretty. Common? It's part of every class. It's part of every class that I do. Is the, the first thing like like I was telling you before confiscate the brushes confiscate their paints confiscate their dignity and self-esteem and you take those empty shells and you fill them with guerrilla tactics you say <laughs> look well i've seen people do i call it the, the paint color stare they walk up to their wall of pink of hundreds of jars of paint trying to find just the right red just the right yellow just the right whatever and they have a white miniature in their hand or a black whatever they primed it and I've seen people just, they look at the wall and they look at the miniature and they just walk away because in those hundreds of jars of paint, they couldn't find just the right red. I said, you do, to make your life easier, you could have just taken a red, taken something that's darker, something that's lighter, and made any red you needed. And it would have actually been more harmonious because your original red is in everything as opposed to finding another red that almost surely is going to be warmer or cooler. It's not going to be the same temperature. You could you can control that more by yourself because red and yellow make a whole bunch of colors. Blue and yellow make a whole bunch of colors. Those all three of them together make even more colors. And if you are, if you if you just as simple starting out with this simple three colors, there's less things to remember. And, of course, paint companies never discontinue paint colors. They never discontinue the one that you love the most and can't live without. That never happens. Looking at you, Scaly Green, and <laughs> dozens of other colors that now rest in the Valhalla of paint somewhere never to be seen again. Goblin Green. And, or snotling, well, snotling Green. Not a day goes by that Kathy doesn't mix a couple colors together, and she goes, oh, yeah, here's another color I don't need because I just made it. <laughs> so so it's like, yeah, don't bother getting another jar of that because I, I just made it. So, so forget it. Don't eat that jar. So so here's a – this is actually – I mean, we, we we I like how we're just like naturally getting these questions answered that we, we send you. I, I guess when you're picking out paints, what's your – like because this is one of the questions. What's your preferred paints? And it sounds like you're up there just like mixing all these paints that you get. Like what's your preferred paints where you're getting these primary colors like? to make all these every color what is your and kathy's like preferred colors or preferred paints it's we it's almost like was it 1984 where that one guy his sole job was wiping out words from the dictionary and the english yeah. language yeah we keep extinguishing colors but between the two of us we've probably wiped out you know several hundred colors we don't need um our our go-to stuff is the reaper clear paints reaper because clear. those are primary colors you're talking like process yellow process red process blue process green they're, they're very pure colors so you've kind of taken away all the impurities and you have the most basic pure color we'll use and the other thing is you can use those like 95 percent water and the paint still has integrity because it's they never should have named them reaper clear paints they should have called them high intensity paints or, I don't know, some process, anything but clear, because they're not clear. You mix any kind of lighter opaque color with them, they will cover like you won't believe. They become anti-clear. 
because they're just the, the pigment is so intense in these things. We'll use those. We use the liner paints, usually brown and blue liner. There's also red and green liner. Those are very fun. And there's some some secret weapon paints that we use, you know, the weathering paints. Um, maybe about four or five of those. So at most, we maybe we could just 20 colors is all we would ever need, including my fluorescent paints. And that that's all we would need for it to paint anything. That's just all that other – you're just complicating your life. <laughs> well, you know, it's like uh... – I guess everybody that it's it's so crazy because like there's so many people out there that are like trying to get you to buy their paint line and you're trying to like oh we got all these colors and like you're the you know guerrilla tactics like I can make any color that you need me to on the on the fly and you know it's here it's we're good to go so very cool it's always like nice to hear this like uh, this complete opposite end of the spectrum that we're fed every day so super cool. So I, I, you know, and honestly, I, I'm aware of Reaper. Like I, like I'm Texas based. So just learned about Reaper. I found out they're in Texas. So I love them now, but, uh, uh, I've never heard of the Reaper clear, but you're absolutely right. I would have never considered like with the name clear that really does not sell it very well. If it's actually this like high intensity, high pigmented paint, like I would have never guessed to be honest with you. As it turns out, I actually had a jar of Reaper Clear Red that I won as prize supported Depticon in 2007. Never used it because I had no idea what it was for. We had we actually had some of the liner paints. They were going to discontinue those. Actually, they were going dis- to I don't know if they were going to discontinue the clears, but they were slowly discontinuing the liner paints until they said, "Whoa, Nelly, you ain't doing that. These are the greatest things ever. They're sort of like the super dark version." Of- the liner of uh, the uh, clear paints you can you can thin the hell out of them they're perfect for freehand uh, purity seals uh, if you want something looks like it's written on parchment they're perfect for that you can make uh, if you take the say the blue liner and the clear blue you have a super super dark shadow color that you can wash glaze do whatever the brown liner when you mix it Actually, I was just now mixing the brown liner with a really light flesh tone to make a gray. But it's this really interesting kind of a brownish-gray color. So, so again, it's the same crazy maiden flesh that I used to highlight all colors, really. Greens, blues, whatever. It's nothing new. It's not really a flesh tone. It's just sort of an off-white for the most part. Wow, that's so But that, yeah, that's... <laughs> I hope our listeners are like, let me go ahead and just Amazon some Reaper paint real quick, just to give it a shot. <laughs> I feel like well, we used to a... do the, we did the GW paint thing too, but then they closed all the GW stores around us. So we couldn't really get that very easily anymore. So we said, well, if, if we have to order this stuff, well, there's this Reaper paint here. And again, we had been sort of introduced to it. We, we always loved Reaper miniatures, and then we started to see more and more of their paint, and we thought, oh, well, this we like this stuff. And then I discovered those clear paints completely. I think I was just trying to do a blood effect. Yeah, that's what it was. I was for my Dark Gilder army. I was trying to do a blood effect, and I I didn't I wasn't able to get Tamia clear red paint. So I thought, well, maybe this stuff is the same thing. 
yeah. it turns out it's, it's it's nothing like that. But then it's <laughs> so you got like the most childish blood, like you know, classic eight year old painting blood on their space wolves blood, like just solid acrylic. <laughs> Well, actually, now believe it or not, I was it, it is actually part of my blood technique now. I just realized that you need to mix it with the brown liner, and then you suspend it in something like, say, the secret weapon, realistic water. And actually, that was one of the painting pyramid videos I did. Well, appropriately called Bloody Mess. Bloody Mess. And I think there's actually have on my YouTube channel. There's about a 20 minute preview of that on there. And the whole idea is that you take this stuff and you you make it sort of like blood because it can be lighter, darker. It's it's suspended in that that gel, basically like plasma. So you're you're doing it kind of a miniature scale. For real, like actual plasma blood, like that's wild. No, like I was telling you before, so many of these things they just sometimes necessity. You know, I had this whole. Dark Elder Army, I needed to do all these blood effects on dozens and dozens of figures. I needed to be able to do it fast, but have it look like something. And I said, well, hope this works. And fortunately, it did. That's so awesome. It, well, man, that's like, I I feel like this, uh, you, you talk about this pyramid of painting. How, do, how does a person get that? Like, where, where can we find that pyramid of painting? Like, it's, it seems like it's just full, like, insanely full of uh of techniques or you know all these different tips and tricks well actually probably the easiest way actually if, if you subscribe to the patreon page usually every month if you pledge five bucks i throw a few of the painting videos painting pyramid videos out there for the subscribers you can also if you want a nice high resolution version of it you can get them directly from me on a usb drive and again, you can just reach me, message me on the blog, through Facebook, whatever. And this way I can take you through. There's 53 of them. So I can kind of take you through and you could say, well, you know, I kind of need this for my army. You know, I need to do greens or reds. Uh, five, uh, five of them are terrain videos. Twelve of them are basing videos. So people say, you know, what? I want, I need something more for my bases than just static grass and gravel. Okay, what if you did mosaic tile bases? Or what if you did lava bases with the reflecting lava and all that kind of stuff? So that's basically all of the stuff from my armies over the years ended up in the series. So cool. So cool, man. I I, I didn't know about this, and I definitely didn't know about it until this interview here. So I'm very glad I know it because I feel like that's like, like the one ring to rule them all. Like, I feel like it's just this like little USB drive of power. And so I'll definitely be talking to you about getting this, uh, <laughs> this, like this thumb drive of power from you. Like I I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I hope a bunch of our listeners as well are very interested in getting said thumb drive from you as well. As I mean, I'm already a Patreon subscriber, so we, uh, I have seen your, oh. your little up to videos. I didn't know that there was some like magical thumb drive out there. Yeah, well, uh, once uh, they originally were done on DVDs because well, it was 2013, and and you you were lucky if you get a one gig stick for 50 bucks. Oh yeah. Now, you know, I just I'd get a bandolier of 10 16 gig ones, and I can fit five on a 16 gig stick. So, what people would do sometimes they start out with the core set, 
That's shaded base coat, glazing, freehand, object source lighting, and standard non-metallic. That kind of covers way a lot of bases there. But then sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I'm just having struggle with colors. So they'll get a USB with five different colors on it. Blues, greens, reds, yellows, grays. There's five different flush tone videos. There's several different non-metallic ones. There's there's a dozen basing videos. So you can get two USBs filled with basing videos. Wow. And sometimes cool. people they'll even they'll like mail me a USB or they'll you know take the USB that I send them, put them on all their different machines and send the USB back for more. <laughs> so we're just bouncing the same USB drive back and forth. Or there's also Dropbox. Now, each file is about 2.5 gig, so Dropbox will hack Google Drive even these days. So I think there's way more options, and these are the original renders that you're getting. Oh, so this is, <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not getting some kind of grainy, half half ass thing. You're getting the the true result. It's as close to Blu-ray pretty much as you're gonna get. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Like I feel like you you've answered every question we have on here. And you've actually, you know, we, we, we've gone through everything except for a time you fucked up. That was the only question that we, we haven't touched base on. And, like, I'm, I'm curious now. Like, I don't even, like, I, I feel like, like, talking to you, you're so zen. Like, you're so, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I can't imagine, like, you, you see almost like a, a miniature painting Bob Ross. Like, he's like, you know what? It didn't mess up. Like, that's how he's supposed to be you know so i can't imagine a time where you fucked up like i feel like you would just shrug it off if you did like do you have a time that you can remember that you messed up or uh at least eight times while we're recording this it, it happens every, every miniature that i'm painting it was happening to my wife kathy while she was painting six feet away from me we were both alternating and just screwing the hell up of everything and then realized oh okay failure analysis nobody ever analyzes success if it just succeeds they just well just magically happen but if something goes haywire what's the first thing you do what the hell went wrong and when things go wrong you'll a either find a solution to make them go right or say you know what actually that's that's a solution for another problem and it's happened many times where the mistake actually turns into the solution it turns into an answer elsewhere that's because so it's happened with terrain even. The, the terrain that I do now is nothing. I look at terrain that I did six months ago. say, man, what, what dumbass made those things? What an idiot. What the hell was he doing? That was me six months ago. <laughs> See, uh, but I it's, knew it. I knew it. <laughs> when, but I've seen so many people, they are so afraid. You know, that I talked about the people that strip more miniatures than they ever actually paint that they're so horrified and terrified of making that mistake, it's really easy to convince yourself that you can't do something. It's really easy. Like, I, I can't paint that. I've already screwed it up three times. Whereas Kathy and I say, well, we screwed it up three times. Eventually, we'll run across the right solution for this. I mean, we can't screw it up ten times, can we? <laughs> Hopefully, it only takes four. <laughs> to, so to, awesome. to four times to screw this up before we get it figured out. It happened to, I was working on this mosaic tile base that's 
got five miniatures on it, and I've tried to reorientate parts of the design four times already. And by leaving those in there, leaving those faint impressions, the mosaic actually has a more of a realistic look to it because there's you have the, these impressions of maybe past designs or whatever. How many times have you seen billboards or, or painted designs that where it's it's been painted over four times? And when it starts to get a little bit weathered, you see what's was painted underneath it. Uh-huh. From you know, an out- advertisement for you know pagers from 15 years ago. <laughs> so oh, we I just it, to us it's just an underpainting. A screw up is nothing more than something that gets covered up. <laughs> it's like and, and uh, who's gonna know? It's like Karate Kid, like all the other teachers are Cobra Kai and, and, and you're the, like, you're teaching Drunken Monkey. Like, you just, <laughs> you just, you gotta flow with it, you know? That's <laughs> so cool. Well, and there's times where we will just take a picture of something, even if it's not finished, we'll just take a picture of it and look at it that way, because when you are staring at something for a long time or, or you've convinced yourself, man, that just doesn't look the way I want it to. And you take a picture of, it and you look at the picture it, in some ways it almost lets you see the thing the way somebody else would. Right. Because when I look at your figures, I am probably not going to be able to tell that there was some part of that that you had to repaint 12 times. And as well, that's probably, he, he must've meant to do that. And that's the, other people looking at our stuff, it's the same way. They're never going to realize. Well, I did this at Little Wars. I had half the stuff was painted in oils, half was painted in acrylics. Or no, one, one third of it was painted in oils. I said, okay, one of these three armies was painted entirely in oils. Can anybody tell? Nobody could. They looked exactly the same. That, that's, it's that level of, well, if I didn't tell them it was painted with oils, they wouldn't even know. So that's where all of a sudden maybe you're not really screwing up. Maybe you're just not doing quite what you thought you were going to get. You know, the result that you wanted, maybe it's not coming as easily or whatever. Some people are just way too hard on themselves. Actually, most people are way too freaking hard on themselves. Absolutely, man. I, that's, it's so perfect. This is like, you're such a great, like, uh, a speaker to have on an episode where, like, we have a bunch of new painters and stuff like that because, like, you're so, like, chill and zen and, like, you know, there's nothing you can do where you can mess this up, so you just go to town, you know? <laughs> so cool, man. It's very cool. Like, thank you so much, like, for coming on and talking to us about this and, like, just laying down the laying down your knowledge. And, I like, I learned so much from just this, like, small amount of time we've been talking i can't imagine what kind of painter i'm gonna come out after i start like looking into some of these videos you posted out i i really appreciate you putting in all the hard work to get all this stuff done and accomplished like you're definitely growing the community around you and i'm glad like everybody could listen to you just talk like you have no idea <laughs> like, for real and no just, one will ever have ruined pants or cold wrists again ever again <laughs> tube socks are going to be the new investment people like you're going to go to walmart and they're going to be sold out because everybody's going to be wearing them for painting now so, we're going to have to buy stock and sock companies <laughs> so real quick sensei sensei wapple 
what a uh, where, where are your latest classes? Do you have any classes coming up that people can sign up for? Or? No, actually, the, I think the next time I'll be doing anything in person is at ReaperCon. We're actually going to be doing a Fort Wapple type thing there where I just have most likely a camera on me. There's tables around me, and I just do spot demos there. These days, I can just reach way more people doing the live streams, doing the Facebook Live things, putting the videos up on YouTube and such, because just more people can see those. Because most classes, you can fit 10 people comfortably, tops, and one Facebook Live, usually between five and 20,000 people see that. That's that's more than that's more than thirty years of ReaperCons combined. Exactly, hundred percent. That's the way to do it. And so, where can people find those live streams and in all of the YouTube? So you can go to my YouTube channel, just James Wapple YouTube. Facebook is the same thing, just James Wapple on Facebook. You go to my videos, you should see the live sessions there. You go to wapelius.blogspot.com. There every day I post a new blog post. I just did one today. It was a terrain tutorial blog post. There's another one coming up tomorrow. Usually about one out of every three is some kind of tutorial. Most of them have, even if it's a finished thing, there's some kind of discussion about what I did. Or there's a link back to maybe a Facebook Live where it was painted. So you, a lot of these things are cross-pollinated. There's links to YouTube stuff and the Facebook on the blog. And again, you can join the Patreon thing because that'll get you some of the new videos that I'm making. So that now that I have the equipment again, I can make a new painting pyramid videos. And that's going to be a lot of that for the, the patrons because they're the ones that are supported getting the new equipment. Absolutely. Man, absolutely. Go check them out on Patreon, guys. Uh James, thank you so much for coming on. Like, really, I definitely appreciate this call. I definitely appreciate uh, you you coming on and talking to these new painters, man. Like, it's just you're so motivating. Just just listening to you, you're so motivating. So, well, thanks for letting me corrupt the young minds of the world. <laughs> Socks for everyone. All right, thank you.